You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. The number in my head is the true name of God. Yes, it's the key to the messianic age. It can take us one step closer to the Garden of Eden. As the Romans burned the temple, the Talmud tells us the high priest walked into the flames. He took the key to the top of the burning building. The heavens opened and received the key from the priest's outstretched hand. We have been looking for that key ever since. And you may have found it. I saw God. No. You are not pure. You cannot see God unless you are pure. I saw everything. You saw nothing, only a glimpse. There is so much more. We can use the key to unlock the door. We can show God that we are pure again. He will return. You're not pure. How are you pure? I found it. Do you think you are? You are only a vessel from our God. You are carrying a delivery that was meant for us. It was given to me. It's inside of me. It's changing me. It's killing you. Because you are not ready to receive it. It's not for you. I've got it. I've got it. And I understand it. And I'm going to see it. Rabbi, I was chosen. You, you, you think that's you? <laughs> These guys are just groups. And the bottom line is that points. you have to learn how to play. <laughs> I was chosen! These guys are the masters. Uh, we are back, baby. We're back! Welcome to the Groove of Time. Yes, it's good to be uh, back to normal. Back to normal. August. Back to normal. There, that was a that wonderful was July. whirlwind. Yeah, that just blew it up. No, it's cool. It's a good blowing up. I am Tony C. Of course, I'm joined live in the studio by the man, the master of engineering and production, the man to make sure our groove is satiny smooth. Austin Georges. Hubba hub. There it is. I gave you the good one that time. The long L. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love it, man. Of course, every Groovaton, every Groovaton centers around an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in and downloading here in America and around the world, y'all. Holy shit. Yeah, there's really nothing to talk about today. I mean, over the last four weeks. Let's just uh, leave. Yeah, we can just program the news. There's literally nothing to talk about. What convention? Uh, Yeah, the unconventions. The unconvention convention. Of course, there is a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, you know, the conventions and Flaggate. One of my favorite things. Flaggate. Also, Which I, I hate the word gate on the uh, end of anything. I uh, I think I figured out that uh, basically NBA free agents are violating the Sherman Antitrust Act, or at least the Clayton provision added on to the, the original 1890 Act. So I've got that. Uh, what else? I don't know. There's some stuff about. I wrote down some stuff about. Ralph Nader getting a sex change and now becoming Jill Stein. So you know, I'd bang him now and then. I'd bang him now and then. Hey man, Ralph Nader goes tranny and goes to the Green Party. It's all and, the rage. Uh, a little bit later on the show, myself, you know, we are going to take. I've been wanting to do this for a while ever since I first, you know, saw the interview in. Uh, I think it was in May. Uh, okay. But we're going to take uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Chief Executive Officer Jamie Dimon, out to the woodshed. And bitch slap him mercilessly. As 
he so richly deserves to be. Dan slapped. Yes, that is it. Of course, all of that's going to be surrounded by two hours of the greatest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. I've got a full slot of music. Um, a lot of it, you know, because I'm heading off to New York on Wednesday. So a lot of it is going, you know, it's got, I got a bit of a New York thing going on there. A lot of a few New York bands, even though I'm wearing my Dublin shirt, my Trinity, Trinity College. I'm wearing the Mets hat. I'm a beloved Mets fan, you know. Just past two o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. You know what that is? It's Hollywood. Florida. It means just past eight o'clock on the Big Island. A big shout out, actually, to the uh, my Ocean View Ohana. Uh, they just got lucky. A hurricane was basically headed right towards the island, and it veered north. So it went above the island. So what they got was the down, the, the bottom side of it. So they got a lot of rain. But there were no power outages. There was no um, loss of life or destruction or anything. Because they were prepping. Excellent. They were prepping. You know, out there, when it gets bad, there's no way to get resources there in the event. of. So they prep early. And for anything, they, they get their full act together. They open up everything. But thank God they got a lot. You know, all they got was... When I was living there, they were in a drought. Now they've been getting rain ever since I split. So if y'all just want to go back to having no more rain again, I can always come back to the island. I guess that had that effect. You about ready to kick this puppy off? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Hey, saddle up and stick around. It's the Groove of Don on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
step swift, jetting to the spot that got the most gift to hoop to boot, sitting in my drum loop. Pistol loaded and I'm ready to shoot. See, my gun is my tongue and it runs like a track star. Not Madam Chapman, but I got a fastball. EX don't vex me strong like sex. Cut the corner, hit the next left, reside to the west side of this hole in the ground. Not paradise, but a nice booming town. Party packed with nuff heads. Some black, some white, some hood, and some dreads around the club. With the dub that swayed them, the remix version of stepping to the AM. Played the club like a crumb to the curb, and his kids reached my palm and said, Word to the third, word to the third. Word to the third, what it is. Word to the third. Word to the third, what it is. Word to the third. Word to the third, what it is. Word to the third. Word to the third, stands true, so no panic. I flip my lip, I throw joints out. Out the box, I stop some thoughts and doubt. Took your outlets out while I was stepping. Now you're slipping on my gold disc and flipping. On the thirds, flying faders and kept swab. Set the signs on the floors, your head bobs. Mom's a move to this, you ain't through with this. This ain't a suicide, so why'd you grab your wrist? I take a listen to the lyrics I formed up. Sliding in the green hornet as I warm it up. Cross the throat is like a lyric dispenser. For higher like Spencer, but my trigger finger's tensor. But six cents get loopy as a soul flex. Turn a soupy and ask which duck is next. Hooking phrases, clauses, nouns, and verbs. Stepping off, set it off, it's word to the third. Word to the third. Word to the third. Word to the third. Word to the third.
it is, it ain't. Yeah. Say, baby, do you know who I am? I'm Bomb Bim, two times slim, the high sheriff sent from hell. I'm the motherfucker that rode zigzag lightning down the middle of the Panama Canal. I'm known from the coast of Maine to the coast of Spain. You can look on the Golden Gate Bridge and see my goddamn name. I was converted with two 45s on my side and baptized in a barrel of butcher knives. The sting of Zorro's whip can't mark my hide. A rattlesnake bit me and that motherfucker crawled off and died. I hunt trouble every day of my life And peace and quiet I do despise You see, baby I'm 48 inches across my chest And don't fear a goddamn thing between life and death I'm the baddest motherfucker you've ever seen I'm worse than a bucket nightmare in a midnight dream you see, everything that I do is wrong. If I go to the store, I stay too long. If I bring back butter, I should have got lard. When I get ready to fuck, my dick ain't hard. But don't play me cheap because I'm skinning and grinning and doing my little laugh. Because I'm the type of cocksucker to start an uprising in a motherfucker's ass. Yeah. I might as well get shitty right on down to the bone. You know, I beat three murder cases before I was grown. I carry a 38 special built on a 45 frame. It shoots tombstone bullets, ball and chain. I sing graveyard songs and I ain't lying. I'm a bad motherfucker and I don't mind dying. I bolted down lightning and captured thunder. I've done some shit that made the whole world wonder. During the war, the army laid down their guns and I won the fight. I've been known to eat a wild gorilla from asshole to appetite. <laughs> Among the hoes, you might hear my name ring. But a bitch with a head shaped like a four-way cold tablet liable to say any goddamn thing. You know, when I go home, I have to walk 44 miles of barbed wire. When I dress to go out, I wear a cobra snake for a necktie. My house is high on a cliff, and it hangs over the edge, and it's made out of human skull. And if I don't start some shit and kick 20 badasses for noon, my whole day seems kind of dull. Yeah. The drink I like best is hydrochloric acid, and I keep me some around. I pissed next to a fireproof bomb shelter and burnt that motherfucker down. 
But I want you to excuse me for being so bold. But I'm the type of son of a bitch to crawl over 50 good pussies to get to one fat boy's asshole. You see, when I was young and in my prime, I could catch a hoe any old time. Now I'm old and gray and very cold and can't get a bitch to save my soul. So up to it, down to it, and damn the man that won't do it, but he'll run his nasty hands through it, ought to be tied to it and made to do it, because he ain't used to it. I'm Bombay, two times slim. Well, I was born an original sinner. I was born from original sin. And if I had a dollar bill for all the things I've done, there'd be a mountain of money pile up to my chin. Told me strong, she said be true to yourself and you can't go wrong. But there's just one thing that you must understand. You can fool with your brother, but don't mess with a missionary man. 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 Oh, a missionary.
roll by definition literally by that that is the definition of rock and roll the headless horseman leaving here that actually is not available it's an unreleased demo but because i happen to be friends with those guys i happen to have a copy of it and this thursday i'll be seeing them with the flesh tones in new york so that's gonna be fun i got some flesh tones coming up later so i'm psyched for that one that's that's night i get there on wednesday i've got shows lined up basically almost, there's only one night i was telling you it's one night i don't have anything there's like one one day that's open for me. It's Monday. Every nice. other day, I'm book solid. <laughs> okay? Before that, the big old nasty get-down, George Clinton's uh, kind of New Orleans-based funk band. That is college funk from their CD, their recent CD, Volume 1. Before that, the Arrhythmics, Missionary Man. Everybody knows that. This one, you know, I normally put in a little comedy thing, but I decided this week to put in the Johnny Otis Show, which is Johnny Otis. Uh, the guitar player, and he put together a band called, and this is not a joke, Snatching the Poontangs. I <laughs> like that one. I know you like it. I, what's not to like? What's not to like? There you go. Very good stuff. And um, actually, Johnny Otis's son is Shuggy Otis, and Shuggy Otis was the did all did the guitar work uh, on the Frank Zappa song "Peaches on Regalia" from Hot Rats, and that's the only song that he ever played on for Frank Zappa. And he was nineteen. When he did Excellent. it. So, you know, the boy's got some serious skills. Before that, third base word to the third from Dara. Di- di- okay. Derelicts uh, of dialect. Uh, uh, 
I'm reading it. I'm staring at it, and I still can't say it right. Kicking off the set, Primus Electric Uncle Sam from Antipop. Our boy Les Claypool getting his weird shit on. So, some of the stuff I know, so I want to get a few sports things out of the way. The um, baseball All-Star game took place, and the night before the All-Star game was the um, uh, Home Run Derby. Derby. And if you haven't seen it, watch the uh, – there's like a a replay that got put together just of the highlights of Giancarlo Stanton, okay, from the Miami Marlins. He won it. And I swear to God – as a matter of fact, hold on. Look out the window right now because I think like the fifth home run he hit is just coming over (laughs) us as we speak. I've never, ever seen an an exhibition of moonshot home runs like that. I swear to God, some of them, the, the announcers were literally saying, this is he's going to be the first guy to hit the scoreboard. Like, he hit one. He hit one. That he literally hit two of them out of a park, okay, in the same day that had never had a ball hitting out of the park. He did it twice in under, in under like an hour and a half. Insane. So if you ever get a chance, if you're in a baseball and you want to see what just, just Ruthian just Ruthie in home runs. Unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. You don't hear me talk about, about stuff like that that often. That's how unbelievable it was. I mentioned on the last show how much of a uh, bitch move I thought Kevin Durant had made by basically uh, opting for free agency. Um, he's, he was with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and, bas- and decided to go to the Golden State Warriors. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't know how that... That little lexicon entered into professional sports, okay, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. If you can't beat them, you get better and beat them next year. That no. used to be it. The, the Brooklyn just wait till next year, okay? And they, they weren't about to do that. Well, Kevin Durant did it, and it got me to thinking because basketball, unlike the other three major sports, uh, baseball, football, and hockey, basketball is the one sport where one or two guys – Okay, going to a team can change the dynamic of the entire league. Okay, yeah. as, a, as a perfect example, I mean, you're not a big sports fan here. I know that. No, okay. nevertheless, I understand yeah. what's going on there. You, you can't, yeah, you're catching the drift here. It's been explained to you like, yes. Right, like, yes. It's, nah, it's been explained to me. I still don't <laughs> like it. It's still not my bag. Well, you know, you take a look at what uh, LeBron James and Chris Bosh did by coming down and playing with Wade here in Miami. What they did is they colluded got together and said, we're going to go here and win a championship. And when they do that, they add a whole bunch of money to them and take away a whole bunch of money that potentially could have gone to one team or a number of other teams in the league. When you conglomerate Mm -hmm. all this superstar power, they get more nationally televised games. They're going to get more advertising uh, for themselves and for the team as a result of being on that championship team. And so it occurred to me that basically these individual players are getting together and they are violating the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890. Now, I I mentioned to you, I said, what do Mm -hmm. baseball and health insurance have in common? They're the only two major industries that are not subject to the Sherman Antitrust Act. They are legally allowed to collude, okay? Now, the Antitrust Act was written in 1890, and what they've done over the years is they've modified it. They've put other things on it. And the one that that applies here, I believe, is the the Clayton Antitrust Act, which was passed in 1914. So I believe that's the – is that uh, – who is that? That's not Coolidge. No. Oh, don't ask me. Yeah. In any event – I just got here. It prescribes <laughs> – right. I did 
but before Nixon, who the hell knows? Basically, the Clayton Antitrust Act of 1914 prescribes certain additional activities that had been discovered since 1890 to fall outside the scope of the Sherman Antitrust Act. And for example, the Clayton addition to it um, added certain practices to the list of impermissible activities, and they were price discrimination between different purchasers if such discrimination tends to create a monopoly. But here are the two that I thought applied. Exclusive dealing agreements and Mm -hmm. tying agreements where they tie in one part of a business proposal to another and thereby restrict trade, restrict um, the the Mm -hmm. openness, the the whatever laissez-faire part of the government, you know, part of that Mm -hmm. industry still exists. I think that there's a case to be made. I yeah. now that's what I think. You say you told me what? I, I, good I, luck proving I it, right? Good luck proving it, of course. And you know what's? Uh, I, th- I think I think more power to these guys. I think it's hysterical what they're doing, as as unfair as it may seem. Oh no! Look, and I think what's? I think they should start their own league and say we're just going to play horse against uh, <laughs> against our each other. All right, and we're going to charge not bad. You know, a million. You know, um, you know, X well, they can't because game. they need the they need the what they need is they need the TV money that's given to the the clubs to pay their enormous right. salaries. You know, it's, it's a little ridiculous hyperbola, but they but seriously, because you said you know a handful of guys could dominate it. They could oh, start, they have. They could start. They're their not own, good. They could start this their is, own league. This and, isn't this isn't now a matter of gonna, hypothetical. This is now yeah. what's happening, and you think back. To, to the days, you know, when Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan has to be having a heart attack right now, thinking to himself, what a bunch of freaking pussies. Mm. Okay. He never would have done that. He just went and got better. He improved his three point shooting. He made sure that the team put, you know, he went to the team and said, look, you want to win? Go you, get so and so. You sound like a me. communist. You sound like one of these every kid gets a medal kind of guys. That's no, no, no. <laughs> that's what these guys are doing. That's what somebody like Kevin Durant is doing right now. He's mm. the guy that thinks that everybody deserves a medal, and because he can't get one where he's at, he's going to use his freedom of trade, his his you know his, his you know freedom to be able to go where he wants mm. to be able to go and get that medal because he just wasn't good enough to do it on the team he was with. Yep. It's a good thing that some sports still have a great deal of integrity. That's why I still I'll stick to cockfighting. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm that's why Irish hurling is the only true sport left. <laughs> Irish hurling. Really? Yeah, oh, I that. went I went to the All Ireland Hurling Championships at Croke Park. Okay? This okay. shit these are the bad I've always said that hockey players mm-hmm. are far and away pound for pound the baddest ass motherfuckers in sports. Okay, because they're not just tough guys what, and great what, athletes. What, what do they hurl? They can, yeah, but they can kick your ass on ice skates. Okay, they kick. They'll literally sure. How, however big you are, they're just going to pull your jersey over your head and then punch you about hockey. fifty times in you know, two seconds. I, I was there, and you, they you, can play. You hockey. know, God. You know, God gave me the the ability to time travel because I always, I, I, my wish was, I want to see the first time that something happened. I want to see the and origin, see how, of, right. the origin of things. And he said, Yeah, that's not bad. You know, you can't change it anyway because nobody will listen. But I can go. But I remember I was so I got to see when they invented hockey. 
Oh, really? And, and right, and these tough guys were sitting around going, I got a game, you know, we're going to take this, this stone and we're going to, you know, have, see who can get it into the goal on the other side. And, and you, you know, it's a stuff that's going to be moving pretty fast. We're going to get hit with it a lot and we're going to hit each other with the sticks a lot. And, and there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of damage. It'd sound great. And everybody's like, yeah, but, yeah, but can you make it a little bit more dangerous? <laughs> I don't think that it's as dangerous as it could be. And then what about if we wear blades on our feet and then skate around on the ice at really super high speed so that so that uh, then when we do run into each other, it's angry. at really high velocity and we have blades on our feet. And we oh, yeah. fight each and other. We, and we can fight. Yeah, yeah. Nah, that's it. That's it. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> that's, that's well, I love yeah. it. I'm a big hockey fan, and I dig that. You know, I got no problem with a bunch of angry French Canadians beating the shit out of each other in the middle of a beautiful sport. I think it's a nice interlude. <laughs> sure. It's the least boring one as a non-sports watcher that, uh, that I can watch. Okay, so the conventions happen. We're going to get I – I want this done lickety-split because er, we were okay. talking about this yeah, earlier. Man. What was the – don't even waste your time saying shit. That yeah, I, Oscar Wilde, don't say – never be caught saying something that might just as well have been said by someone else. Great, which is why, <laughs> which is why the conventions – it's all been said. Yeah. Okay, I, I wrote down two things <laughs> which I was talking to you about earlier. One was the flag gate thing. Okay, which seemed to infuriate for no reason. No reason. Because and it was totally they, bullshit. T- well, first of all, you got to reach. They got to do something. They yeah. got, what were they going to do? Complain about the balloons? Oh, look, these look so happy with the balloons. The, the, the patriotic, the Democrats are now the, pay, the party of patriotism. And the, I, you know, and yeah. I said the, the Republicans are the party of dystopia. Uh, they, they do like here the 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 two things we're go- we're all gonna die. Elect yeah. me, or we're all gonna die. And if you like me, we'll die slower. It's uh, and, th- th- and then the Democrats are their campaign was, look, just just accept Chill it. it, just Chill out, uh, just baby. accept it. All right, just go with it, just accept it. Come on, everybody. Bernie has accepted it. Yeah, everybody just. Just, re- Take just a deep breathe. Breath. You know, you How know ba- it's not going to be so bad. Right. Just, it's certainly not going to be. Look, it's, it's not, not going to be that, that bad with us. With him, look at this. Yeah. Look at this here. Whether you believe that it was orchestrated or not, really look at the. Okay, and you got to go. <sighs> okay, that was okay. my. That was my. Okay, other, that's I'm the still, other thing I wrote. Stop telling everybody I'm voting for Gary Stein. For Gary, Gary Stein. There it is. That's my there ticket. it is. That's my dream Gary ticket. Johnson. Gary Johnson and Jill, Jill Stein. Stein. Wait, if they ran together, I'd vote for. There's them. a dead right. <laughs> There's actually a great article by uh, I wrote this down. Where is it by uh, Dan Savage? He's had enough of pasty white Jill Stein supporters. <laughs> that's it. So if you want to read an interesting article, it's by Dan Savage okay. about that, which I thought was was very funny. I'll tell you the. Uh, the other thing that I mentioned to you was that you know there's the expression. It's not that I'm paranoid, but it's that but it's just that, that, that it's every, just that everybody's out to get right. me, right? And now Donald Trump has basically convinced 20, 30 million Americans to actually believe that on his say so. Yeah, he basically told them, and they said yes. You know, we're mm-hmm. not. This isn't a false flag. This isn't a false. They really are trying. Look at how biased they are against Trump. They're making yeah. this stuff up. Horrible. No. We're not making this stuff up. Do you know why? Because it's most of the shit coming out of his mouth is so outrageous. We couldn't have made it up. Really? How do you go? <laughs> really? I mean, Sorry. And I got a minute, an imagination. The, I know. On I my vivid. best day. On acid. I couldn't vivid. go this shit. Yeah. And his, he did an interview yesterday with, uh, with I think, ABC or something mm. like that. And the... The stuff that came out of his mouth is so outrageous. You know, Judge Judy said that 
if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. Well, he doesn't tell the truth or have, have a, a good, good memory. memory. So he keeps he keeps forgetting his own lies that he told last week. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Putin, me and Putin, we go hunting together. Yeah, we're old buddies. I'm Putin, I never heard of the guy. Right, what? Same thing with Michael the same Bloomberg. Thing, the same thing with David, with uh, David Duke. Oh, the KKK, I don't know anything about them. You know, the same KKK that your father was arrested at one of their rallies when you were a young guy. You know, <laughs> that KKK. David Duke, who you said that you wanted no part of years ago. That you said that you knew all about him. You know how come you knew about him eight years ago, but you don't know about him. That, he just I thought the classic was he goes. I've never when Bloomberg came on the, the speech to watch actually from the mm. DNC <clears throat> was the Bloomberg speech because Michael Bloomberg first of all okay is a real billionaire yeah who started Yorker, a, yeah right. basically he got rich off of Quotron right he's what Donald a, Trump pretends to be right exactly he's a genuine billionaire and he said I'm from New York I know a con man when I see one yeah <laughs> and. Uh, He's chump change. Chump but, change uh, chump. but Donald Trump then, of course, so of course, Donald Trump never learned the expression, take it like a man. Mm. He never learned that expression. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. He, he, he's more he's like a petulant. He's a petulant. I said five-year-old and my friend said I was giving uh, five-year-olds a bad he's name. Bitch. So he, I said three-year-old. Are, are you going to like, he threatened to hit him? Threatened to, uh, oh, Yeah. yeah. He didn't threaten him. He said he wanted sure. to. Yeah, he wanted not. to. Well, I, by the way, this is a good time to reiterate my, I have a standing, um, uh, Dual challenge. Like, I have challenged every Republican candidate and politician to a duel just across the board. Yeah. If you're a Republican and you are in – if you hold office, you know? Yeah. Oh, I will too. Or, or if you're a candidate, I, I, I duel you all. Donald, you, you, you sack a dough. You, you Pillsbury doughboy. The, the <laughs> thought that, that, that he's going to threaten to hit anybody. Yeah. Anybody. My grandma isn't scared of Donald. And she's Neither is dead. mine. And mine's yeah, dead yeah. too. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Died so, back in the 90s, so for Bloomberg, sake. Bloomberg, geez. Bloomberg could throw a gold ring at you and knock you well, over. Well, that's the whole thing. And, it, and he starts, you know. I don't know who Michael Bloomberg is. You know, he doesn't know me. I've never met him. And they're yeah, like, didn't yeah. you just play golf with him? Yeah. And and he and in the same sentence, he goes, yeah, and I outhit him too. Oh, so you didn't know him, but you do yeah. remember that you outhit him in golf. What a bunch of... So that's it. That's it for the conventions. We're done. Yeah. We're done there. The <laughs> one thing I did want to uh, point out was, you know, because the last show we did, as I was telling you, was uh, July 4th, you know, because... That was uh, four weeks ago, and then two mm-hmm. weeks ago, I did the, the you know I put together the show because you were on vacation, right? And on July seventh, unfortunately, right, the Flying Monkeys Saloon in Key West, Key West, yes, refillable George, at a discount. George George went on vacation and was not arrested. There was there are no stories of him being put in jail on a drunken disorderly. Now, nope. the nope. I guess the Las Vegas odds makers take a beating again on that yeah. one. Because it was it was five to two. Sure, sure. yeah. Because it's uh, between Orlando and Key West, and then back. So <laughs> yeet, yeet, yeah, yeet, you and car. two chicks on vacation in the summer. One from Australia, one from Montana. Yeah. So and uh, you know professional drinkers, the lot of us. God bless. But on July the seventh is uh, when the five Dallas police officers were shot and killed, and I wrote down. I I have a whole bunch of stuff written, you know, in the notebook. I'm I'm like you. I keep a notebook in every room. Yeah. So no matter where a thought strikes me, I can scribble it down. And so I was watching the broadcast, and on CNN, um, early in the evening, you know, when it was all going on, it said, uh, Dallas, 10 officers shot, three dead. And that was the, the headline at that time. And I noticed that on the ticker at the bottom of the screen, here's what came across. Bombing in Baghdad kills 186 people. Mm-hmm. 
Taiwan getting hit by typhoon, expecting 35 inches of rain. And two cops killed in Bangladesh while guarding a farmer's market. They were shot and killed. That's what went across the ticker at the bottom. That shit wasn't bad enough to really... That, that, you know, normally if it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. we've got so much shit bleeding that it's only yeah. shit that bleeds at home right. that leads. Yeah. If it bleeds abroad, yeah, that gets ticker, a ticker. ticker that gets a ticker. Yeah, sure. But if it bleeds at home, uh, we're going to give that full there's a There's a formula. For the, the, yeah, how oh, there far, is? the distance, the distance, uh, the com- distance ratio over, over tragedy Happy equals sadness value. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. That's right. We, we need that. The actual mm-hmm. equation. Is there sigma notation in that? Do we huh? use sigma <laughs> notation or anything? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I think you divide it by schwa. <laughs> by schwa. Now we're going to use sigma notation on that so that we can go from one to something based yeah. on the miles around That's it. That's right. Then what you can do is multiply that by 3.14 because you have the circumference of the earth. That's right. So you're going to have to figure that out. So pi comes into it. We love no, pi. Yes, yeah, we do. Like the opening so- of the show, mm-hmm. pi. I was chosen. You're making me want to go get some pie. Well, that's it. How many? How many? Name, how many letters are in the true name of God? Two hundred and sixteen. You putts. What? Huh? What? Huh? It's all numbers, baby. Hey, guess what? We keep the groove going because after this next set, we're going to take some time and basically fucking smack Jamie Diamond around, huh? and and he deserves it too. But we keep the groove going with Refused on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs> But down in the dirt, 
There's still some people coming in. So for the benefit of you people who just paid to get in, from now on, the Woodshuck Festival of Peace, Love, and Death is a free concert! Alright, a free concert! This doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. It means you gotta do what you do. Okay, now we all know why we came here. A million of us. We came here to off ourselves. We want you people who are into macrobiotics to off yourself over in the South 40 to be used for organic fertilizer. Now, if your buddy's too stoned to off himself, roll him up in a sleeping bag and drag him over to where the tractors can ride over. And as you know, there isn't enough food to go around. There just isn't enough food. So remember, the man next to you is your dinner. Somehow it's lying 
there brings a stillness to the air. Though man-made light at night is very bright, there's no whitewash victim as the neons dim to the code of white.
Again, I was just talking to talking to George about how when I I think she just turned seventy, and so yeah. it's not about her getting older; it's about a reminder that I'm getting older. You play Grace Jones a lot. She uh, she was on that uh, newspaper or something. She was topless on a oh, yeah. you know with a with a you know an elaborate outfit and yeah. just rocking the house, and it said Grace Jones, who's now sixty nine or something. Like oh, that. Yeah. oh yeah, I play saw her. Home. I saw her on New Year's Eve. Actually, Grace Jones. She came out literally in a see through, like mm-hmm. full body stocking basically i saw her at uh, paradise garage in new york it's a long time ago nina hagen new york new york for that run there's a little bit of a, a new york thing going on here before that run dmc groove to the sound that's from back to hell that was what they were working on uh when i was in the studio 
downstairs when they were upstairs. So you grooved to the sounds of Jam Master Jay. Great line in that. We drive big cars. The entourage is rolling hard. And they weren't kidding. <coughs> Those guys had a crew of people. They weren't driving big cars. They were all driving Jeeps. They were mm. driving fucking Jeeps with the back seats taken out in these huge speakers. And they were yeah. like, I got to Chunking's House of Metal, you know, down Chinatown. There were like three or four of these Jeeps parked, right? Mm. There's nothing else on the block. Right. The block is empty. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night, so there's nobody there. It's one of these side streets. Ugh. God, before that, classic Genesis, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, from The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. That's the last album that Peter Gabriel actually did uh, officially with Genesis, and I think it's one of the, it's one of my favorite albums, one of the 10 best studio-produced albums I've ever heard. Um, for that, The Lemmings. That is uh, part one from the stage announcements. That is a uh, National Lampoon put together an album that is basically a parody of Woodstock, and it is hilarious. And as I mentioned last time, one, one of my favorite songs on there is I Was a Running Dog Lackey for the Bourgeoisie. <laughs> so that just cracked it. Before that, the new Master Sounds doing Flimsy from uh, their 2009 release, Teen Years On, not 10 Years On, Teen Years On, and kicking it off. Get your hard rock swirl on with Refuse. Brand new stuff from them came out last year. Electra. And that is from their CD, Freedom. Okay. Who's, here we go now. We are going yeah, to what talk. what are we doing? We're going to talk about Jamie Diamond. You got all the, the clips queued I up? I do. Okay. A little background first. Okay. And the reason I want to give you some background on who Jamie Diamond is and what he represents and, and what he is seen to be Um is for the perspective, because when you hear what he says in the interview, and then you really listen to it, you begin to understand what kind of a fucking devious shyster cocksucker this piece of shit is. But how do you feel about it? Yes, it's not. I'm more prone to hyperbole than any person in the history of the universe ever. Mm. Well, I never, ever exaggerate. <laughs> there you go. Jamie Dimon is the chief executive officer. He's the chairman of the board and the president of J.P. Morgan Chase. Okay, and he has been at that position since 2005, so for a decade now. And in 2006, 2008, 2009, and 2011, he was on Time's 100 Most Influential People in the World list. He was deemed to be one of the, you know, when he spoke, he was one of the 100 people that, if he spoke, you were supposed to listen. Fuck Hutton. Right. Okay, because I used to work for E.F. Hutton. And, you know, when E.F. Hutton spoke, not that many people listened, actually, back then. Trust me when I tell you that. Uh J.P. Morgan Chase is the largest American bank. They are the largest of what's known as the Big Four. And how we got to the Big Four is basically due to him. I'll talk about that a little later on. It's, it gets complicated. But basically, there are four major financial entities in, in America now. You've got J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citibank, and Wells Fargo. They're what's known as the Big Four. Mm-hmm. And J.P. Morgan Chase is the biggest of them all. They have more domestic assets under management, which is... The amount of money that investors have given to them to invest on their behalf. They have more, more of that kind of money. They have more capitalization value. They have a higher publicly traded stock value in total than anybody else. And they are also the number one credit card provider in the United States of America. Now, in 2011, <coughs> Jamie Dimon got, for his troubles, $23 million as payment. That was his salary. Or that was his salary and bonus for mm-hmm. 2011. Now... Mm-hmm. In 2000, and normally those numbers are given out before um, the end of the year. They're announced, okay, for, for these CEOs. But in 2013, they had to delay it for a little while. And so in January of 2014, 
It was announced. This is one of these sentences that when I read it, I had to read it like three, four times to finally get my head around it. It was announced that he would receive $20 million for his work in 2013, a year of record profits and stock price under Diamond's reign, despite significant losses that year due to scandals and payments of fines. Only, only, only on Wall Street and in Washington, D.C. can you have a year in which you have both record profits and significant losses. So that makes sense to me. Again, not, again, not really. Seriously, you that's the accounting the shenanigans guy. that these guys do. And they literally, they're like, well, you don't understand. You have to look at it. It's versus the market capitalization. It's versus the blood. Shut up. You either made money or okay. you lost money or you broke right. even. Those are the three possible things that can happen at the end of a year. But not on Wall Street because they can defer losses to future years. Mm. So they can literally push back mm-hmm. losses to spread them out more. Even though they took place in one year, they don't really they, they really took place there, but not technically. I see. Okay. Now Damon Jamie Dimon um has for most of his life, up until about two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven, when he started getting these really, really huge bonuses, mm-hmm. okay, he donated primarily to the Democratic Party. Okay. However, in May 2012, he described himself as, and I quote, barely a Democrat. Hmm. And he stated, and, he, and when he stated that, he, he said this. He said, I've gotten disturbed at some of the Democrats' anti-business behavior, the attacks on work ethic and successful people. I think it's very counterproductive. It doesn't mean that I don't have their values. I want jobs. I want a more equitable society. I don't mind paying higher taxes. I do think we're our brother's keeper. But I think that attacking, you ready for this? I think that attacking that which creates all things is not the right way to go about it. That, I, I look at your eyeballs. Is he talking about God? <laughs> that which creates all things. He's talking about finance. Mm-hmm. He's talking about Wall Street. He's like, without Wall Street, nothing gets created. Now, I'm not going to go in to some of the other nasty-ass shit. Basically, this guy has lied to Congress. He was responsible when the uh, Troubled Asset Relief Program, TARP, mm. came out after the, uh, after the, fall, the crash in 2008. What the Fed did is they basically went to these big banks. They went to the big banks and all of these banks and mm. said they went to all like the top 10 banks. There were 10 at the time. Okay, and this is important. And he basically said, "Take this tarp money. You all have to take it." And J.P. Morgan Chase was not in be- in terrible terror. They weren't going to go under. Mm-hmm. They were going to take a heavy hit, but they were in better shape than Shearson, who had bet you know bet the bike shop basically on uh, CDOs, credit default uh, options, and credit default swaps. You know, that had bundled in all of these real estate mortgages that were, in fact, not AAA rated, which is what the rating agencies mm-hmm. said they were. They were garbage of the highest order. And so the Fed basically forced – this is not a joke. They basically forced J.P. Morgan Chase to take $25 billion of American taxpayer money, even though they didn't wow. need it okay. and didn't ask for it. Right. They were forced to take it. I see. So the beauty of this is what did Jamie Dimon do? So he went and um, in the face of the government, lack of action, Dimon was quoted as saying the week of, uh, we would have been fine if, if people would just stop talking about damn nationalization of the banks. 
Okay? You know, they, they approved all these loans. Now they're beating up on everyone, saying, look at these mistakes, and we're going to come and fix it. That was what you're saying about the Fed. Now, the interesting thing is that what he did with that money, I'm trying to find uh, the actual the actual sentence in here, but what he basically did with it is he goes, um, if they went out and basically bought banks with the $25 billion. They bought all of the other banks that were struggling. They went in and basically paid pennies on the dollar to swallow up banks. So when we used to have 10 big banks, now we've only got four. Why? Because the Fed gave the biggest ones money they didn't need in order to buy up the other ones so they wouldn't go under. And now we have four too-big-to-fail banks. And in 2020, the reason that his salary um, announcement, his salary and bonus announcement for 2013 was delayed until 2014 is because during 2013, a scandal took place known as the whale scandal of um, London. This guy in London, these, these, these group of guys in London basically leveraged stuff um, very unsafely and J.P. Morgan Chase ended up taking a loss of, wait for it, and this is in the derivatives market, which I've spoken about extensively, okay? They took a loss of, are you ready? Mm-hmm. $6.1 billion. That's just from the London trading office and derivatives, <laughs> okay? The best thing is that he lied about it. He lied to Congress. They caught him lying. Um, they all said it, you know, they, the, uh, he called it a tempest in a teapot, okay? But... Um, Carl Levin, who was the chairman of the panel, uh, the Senate panel overseeing, you know, that went into this, said that J.P. Morgan had a trading operation that piled on risk, ignored limits on risk taking, hid losses, dodged oversight, and misinformed the pro- the, the public. And which Jamie Dimon said, "Oh, that's just nothing but a tempest in a teapot. That's nothing but a tempest. Don't worry about that." But of course, he said that when he knew that they had already lost a billion dollars. Okay, and so Levin said none of the statements that he made when he said it was a tempest in a teapot, none of the statements that he made on April 13th to the public, to investors, to analysts were true. Okay, okay, okay. The bank also neglected to disclose on that day that the portfolio had massive positions that were hard to exit. In other words, because their positions were so shitty, they couldn't get rid of those positions because who's going to buy them Mm -hmm. to take the loss? Okay, and they also... They failed to inform that they were violating, in massive numbers, key risk limits. This is what was determined. Now, I've got the full report, and it's 212 pages of mind-numbing reading. It is not a beach read, y'all. Okay? A lot of charts, a lot of graphs, a lot of complicated stuff that even I didn't understand, to be honest with you. There's some stuff in there. I'll tell you something. I have a pretty decent knowledge. Not great, but for a layman, for somebody who doesn't work in the industry anymore, okay, with all the new... I have a pretty decent knowledge. I, I try and keep up as best I can. I do, the, the mathematical formulas are, you know, for derivatives or stuff that would have MIT grads scratching their heads. Mm. Okay, there's no, you know, most people, there's no way to know. I have a friend of mine who's like a math genius, and he took one look at it, and he's like, I don't understand the point. It comes around full circle. You could have done this with three less lines of code. I was yeah, like, okay. You know, yeah. but that's the way they want it. They want it so complex that you don't understand it. So, Every year, Jamie Dimon has to submit a letter to investors. He does his annual report to the shareholders, the shareholders. And this year, he did that. And then he did an interview with CNN Money. 
And when I first heard this interview, I almost gouged my eyes out with a, with a dull knife. I got to be honest with you. And you're about, and what I've done, it was about a 12-minute interview. And what I've done is trimmed it down and parsed out about seven and a half minutes of it. Okay? And I did yeah. not leave out anything that would change the perspective. Mm. I didn't change, you know, it, it's so that I'm not trimming stuff out so that the interview can be misconstrued. All right. Okay? I'm not doing that. I trimmed yeah. out stuff Just that was like... The fat. I, tr- I trimmed off stuff that was very technical. Um, that really doesn't okay, have good. any application is because you don't want to hear it. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to it in, in five parts. Okay. Each part's like a minute, minute and a half, two minutes long. Um, one part is only like 20 seconds long and it's the most insane part of all. You know, okay. what do you, just unbelievable. So let's play part one. Go for it. But there is a lot of anger right now. And you, you wrote about the political environment in your annual yep. letter to shareholders. And, and you pointed to what you call a breeding of mistrust and misunderstanding. What's yep. your assessment of this election and the political environment right now. It's, ter- it's terrible, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I can't change. I'm just one citizen. Does and, it uh, stun but, you? But what I don't like about the breed of mistrust, what I've said, is that denigrating classes of people, scapegoating, finger-pointing, every time someone says something, you say, oh, they're complaining, all those things are actually just trying to diminish the other person. None of them are saying, are they right or are they wrong, and what should we do about it? Abraham Lincoln, never denigrated, never scapegoated, never finger-pointed. So when you look at America, you know, one thing is to be yelling at each other, another thing is to be killing each other. You said all of us should listen to great thinkers who have an alternative point of view. Yeah. So who do you listen to that's a great thinker that has an alternative point of view? Which is very smart how analyze issues. Arthur Brooks, uh, uh, David Brooks, uh, I know I mentioned all the conservatives now, George Will, uh, uh, Holman Jenkins, you know, they're not, they're not wrong. You know, I love, uh, I think Paul Ryan's wonderful. I think there are people on the other side, too, that just, they are very thoughtful about why these things are important, how societies go about it. And, you know, I think we, sh- we, we become more knee-jerk. We've turned principles and ideology. And once it's ideology, your feet are stuck in cement. You can't move anymore. You can barely breathe. And then you just be angry. So, you know, if you watch Fox and you go home at night and say, yeah, they're right, you know, those terrible people, or you go home and watch NBC, MSNBC, they're just jazzing you up. You're just being manipulated. Learn to think for yourself about what the issues are, what the potential solutions are, what the unintended consequences are of policy issues. Because it's very easy to say, we'll do this, and very often it has the opposite effect. You think and the American public is being manipulated, in a sense, in this li- election? We're allowing ourselves to be jazzed up by, I always say in management, you know, don't allow people walking off and just jazz you up and get you angry. Just, you're just being manipulated when that happens. All right, there you go. And that's part one. Now, going through that, now, it's important to keep in mind this is one of the most important, influential people in the world of finance for the globe. J.P. Morgan Chase is in is all around the world now. Mm-hmm. Okay, these guys are massive, and he talks about in his letter. He talks about a breeding, a breeding of mistrust and misunderstanding. That's that's, that's a direct quote from his annual letter to shareholders. And the key word in that is breeding. When you breed mm-hmm. something, it's intentional. Yeah, you don't you don't breed something by accident. The term breeding implies intent. Mm-hmm. I yes, bre- yes. okay, um, you know his when when the interview asks, you know, what do you think of this? He goes, oh, it's terrible. But what can I do? What can mm-hmm. little me do? Hey, motherfucker, you're one of the most one hundred most influential people in the world. Don't give me this bullshit about what what can I do about it. You're just ah. You already just, <laughs> you know, you didn't seem to have a problem with that when you destroyed the fucking world. 
And this is when it gets interesting, and it's important to listen because Jamie Dimon, there are many things that I can describe him as, but stupid ain't one of them. You can't be where he is and be dumb. Can't be done. These guys may be the devil incarnate, but nobody said the devil was a numbskull. He's just evil. Yeah, right. Okay, he's just evil. Okay. And he said, what I don't like is the denigrating of classes. Classes, not groups. He didn't say groups. He said classes of people. Scapegoating, finger pointing, just trying to diminish the other person. He used the word classes instead of groups intentionally. Okay. Because classes refers to income strata. He didn't, you know, groups refers to social segments, uh, mm-hmm. black, white, young, old, right? you know, that kind of thing. But classes is about income strata. And the reason he doesn't like the finger pointing is because all the fucking fingers are being pointed in his class. Yeah. That's why he doesn't like it. So he feels, and of course he feels the need to, he feels in his heart, and he wants to convince others that his class is being unfairly scapegoated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. He, and he what. But he doesn't actually come out right out and say it. At no point does he come right out and say it. And he says, none of them are saying, are they right or are they wrong and what should be done about it? Okay, bullshit. That's exactly what they're saying. As a matter of fact, that's all they're saying. The problem is, of course, that we don't agree on who's right and who's wrong. And thus, we don't agree on what should be what we should do about it, whatever it is, right. whatever it is. He never even gets around to that. And, you know, and then, as I said, uh, then he throws in the Lincoln, the Lincoln reference, yeah. because, you know, the Republicans are the party of Lincoln. You know, that's they love that sure, quote. Yeah. Yeah, they they used to be the liberal ones. We do we don't have to go through how they switched. Right. Do we? Must we? Yes, we're Google, not gonna Google we, it. I don't want to go I don't want to have to talk lots about of, Dixie lots of articles. Lots of articles about lots it. Lots of yeah, articles about right. Dixiecrats. And okay, and he says this. This this is this is the line that really kind of sets up everything else. He goes, All of us should listen well no, this actually it's uh, he goes, All of us should listen to great thinkers who have an alternative point of view. Um, and then he puts a caveat after that because that's the line that he said. But when she brings it back to him, he goes, or, you know, that are just very smart, smart and analyze issues. Because well, as it turns out, he can't think of somebody that's a great thinker, okay, that, uh, that he, you know, that is an ulterior point of view, okay. Um, he names Arthur Brooks, who is the conservative He's, he's the president of the American Enterprise Institute. David Brooks, who's the conservative columnist for the New York Times. George Will, mm. who everybody knows who he is. Holman Jenkins, another super-duper conservative. And Paul Ryan. And he goes, they're not wrong. Mm. And then he says, mm. I think there are people on the other side, yeah. the other side, that are very thoughtful. Now, once he says other th- side, it's game over. Yeah. As far as I'm aren't we supposed to be all be on the same side? His wording implies an adversarial relationship with a basically half of america actually it implies a have adversarial relationship with 99 right, right of america okay he could have said there are a lot of people from all across the political spectrum who have very but he didn't mm-hmm. he literally made it out this and, yeah, you know like and this that. and that and i'll tell you the, the interesting thing about the five people he named Okay, is they were there? They used to all be Republicans, except now there's only four of them that are Republicans because George Will just left the Republican right. Party over Donald Trump. Right. The interesting thing about this is the entire premise is ridiculous, but it's made to sound ideologically magnanimous. Okay, one man's great thinker is another man's blithering dolt. Okay, <laughs> and it's there, it's subjective. So if you disagree with a person, you're going to think he's wrong. And thus could not possibly be a great thinker. Right. 
which means there's no reason to fucking listen to them. Right. So the premise is is bullshit on its face, prima facie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like you know, I like the fact that that his side aren't wrong and our side are very thoughtful. Our, yes. D- D- thank you. Okay. He goes. We've become more knee jerk. We've turned principle into ideology, and then you're stuck. You just get angry. You know, they're just they're Fox and NBC. They're just jazzing you up. You're being manipulated. Okay. Talk about the pot calling a kettle black. Right. Okay. This entire interview is one long attempt at manipulation by way of changing the dialectic through mischaracterization of its key elements. Okay. I wrote about this a while ago. Um, and I wrote that the recent proliferation of places for us to get our news has led us to increasingly get the news we want instead of the information we need. The reason why things happen has become drowned out by people telling us mm-hmm. why they think things happen. We listen to them telling us over and over that we are right and they are wrong. We become a nation of people who scream, how come they don't get it? We are angered by their lack of understanding of our point of view. We vote viscerally instead of cerebrally. Okay, mm-hmm. we we are collectively manipulated into believing that while our guy may not be right, their guy is definitely wrong, and so the ballot box has become the complaint box. It's not about you, yeah. know, okay? And then what happens is, just like it will this year again, okay? On the first Wednesday in November, we wake up and we are still angry. It doesn't matter who won. We're angry that we won, okay? Or that, you know, but we didn't win by enough to overcome a filibuster. Or we're, we're angry that they won. We're angry that things won't be changing fast enough. We're angry that things are going to be changing too fast, too radically. We sit in front of our intelligent televisions and computers and iPads and cell phones, and we experience stationary road rage. <laughs> okay? Right. We shake our fists in the air, and then we log on to Facebook. And that's what we do. And he said, learn to think for you. So, so he goes, learn to think for yourself. Learn to understand the unintended consequences of policy issues. And in the same essay that I wrote, I wrote, most voters don't know if they benefited or been bent over by a piece of legislation until they actually experience the pleasure of pain. Okay? Our yeah. representative votes for or against some bill that, come April 15th, makes some of us feel like lottery winners, while others feel like the new guy in the shower on cell block D. Why? Because a lack of understanding of how the process really works, or in this case, doesn't work, okay, leads us to being subject to those who do understand how it works. Now, when Alan Greenspan was the head of the Fed, there used to be something that people would call Fed speak. That was a term they used to use, All right. Fed speak. Okay? And basically what it is is it's a lot of gobbledygook language that really doesn't mean anything but sounds so complicated that you think it does, even though it doesn't. And Greenspan admitted this. He admitted that when he testified, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I believe the term we're looking for is testalied. Mm. When he testalied, okay, he basically just made it so complex mm. and said stuff that was so complex sounding that nobody questioned its validity. Mm. They just didn't ask for a clarification and just figured he knows what he's talking about. And he admitted years after that that he really didn't fucking know anything that he was talking about. All right, let's get to part two. You ready? I'm ready. Hit me with it. A Harvard study just came out that I found fascinating. It found only 19% of Americans between age 18 and 29 identified themselves as capitalists. Only 42% in that group even said that they supported capitalism. Jamie, when you hear those numbers, when you see those stats, 
What do you think? Yeah, it, it surprises me too. My whole life, I've seen every generation that graduates college coming out with big heart and they want to change the world, as I did, as I still do. So I completely sympathize with that. That one caught me off guard because I'm not sure that the American public knows that socialism means the government owns everything. And I, I'm not sure that's really what they mean. I think what they, and I, I, you got to divide, what they mean is they saw this big problem, they're mad at big institutions, all big institutions, the Congress, you know, big banks, big companies have all been kind of discredited, you know, sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly. Uh, uh, but I don't think it's a good thing. And, I, and, you know, a lot of people think we're not educating the kids about entrepreneurism, history, liberty, freedom, you know, what built America made it great, and that they're falling into this trap of, you know, <laughs> that socialism is what didn't work a lot of places. And, and uh, so it, it is a little surprising. All right. Now, there, he's talking right there. There's a Harvard study that came out and basically said that uh, people between the ages of 18 and 25, only, you know, a very small percentage of them actually consider themselves true capitalists. And um, he said, you know, I remember coming out of college with a big heart and I wanted to change the world and I still do and I completely sympathize with that. Remember, this is the guy that, that, that had just said, what can I do? I'm just one citizen. There's nothing I can do about mm. it. Okay, the motherfucker's the CEO of one of the largest, most influential financial institutions in the world. And he goes, and this is, this, this is, a, this is one of these lines. He says, I don't think they realize that socialism means the government owns everything. Right. Okay. See – and then he goes, I'm not sure that's what they really mean. Well, no, it's no, not what they really mean. mean if for no other reason than that's what, what socialism means, you fucking dildo. Okay, it's just complete bullshit. A statement like that is designed to be, is intentionally designed, okay, to be misinterpreted beyond the fact that it's patently false. Right. Okay, it's, it's meant, you know, which form of socialism is he, is he referring to? And shit like this from, from the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase is basically w one of the reasons I think we're just getting dumber because that's the way the people at the top want us to be. Oh, yeah. They want us to be ignorant so they can basically continue to get away with screwing 99% of us over. This mega shyster isn't even sneaky. He's obvious mm -hmm. okay? because if you break down what he says, you realize how full that's not what socialism means. That is not the definition of socialism. Okay, he goes. I'm not sure that's what they really mean. No, it isn't. It it also isn't what they said in the Harvard poll. Okay, and his conclusion was that they didn't really mean that they weren't ardent capitalists. He thinks that they saw this big problem. They were mad at big institutions, at Congress, big banks, big companies, and they've all all these these big institutions have been kind of discredited, sometimes fairly. Sometimes unfairly. Notice that he didn't include Wall Street per se, mm. by the way, in that, that whole thing. And then he suddenly remembered who he was, which is why he had to put the caveat in there, sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly, just, let, just to let you know that there are times when you guys see us as being bad and, and we're not really. That, you know, he wants to add that in there. Because I don't think it's a good thing, but he's talking about the trend that's indicated in this Harvard poll. That a lot of people think, and he goes, I think a lot of people think we're not educating our children, you know, about entrepreneurial and shit. I was like, you know what, yeah. good, and I wrote down, good point. But in order to rectify that, we have to actually educate them, period. Okay, forget, you know. That'd be nice. And that means all of them. I And I think a good place to start would be by properly defining socialism. How's that for an education? You know, they're falling into this trap that socialism did work in a lot of places. No. That's not the trap they're falling into. 
because that's not what they said. What they're trying to do is get out of the trap that you and your ilk laid for them and their parents, the generation before them, when you began to systematically eviscerate banking and brokerage laws that had been in place specifically to restrain your covenant from stealing wealth from America and then hoarding it. Okay, this the sentence that he says in there in combination with his earlier mischaracterization of socialism is a blatant attempt to try and fool us into believing that seeking a an a, seeking to address income inequality is a move towards socialism as he defines it. Right. Okay. Okay, which is in a negative light. He defines it as a trap. He defines it as mm-hmm. a trap. Thus, transitively If addressing income inequality is a move towards socialism, socialism is bad. Therefore, seeking to remedy income inequality is bad. That's what he's laid Mm -hmm. out there, but he doesn't say it like that. He he leads you down that path. Okay? But later on in this interview, okay, in part four, Mm -hmm. he says that he can sit across the table from anybody and agree that income inequality isn't fair. That's one of those sentences I love. It's coming up in a minute. I like the fact that he's willing to admit that inequality isn't fair. That's I, I really I've got to tell you something, Jamie, that is that is just really from, yeah. from our mountain. You heard that from the Lord above, did right, you? Right, yeah. Got that one from the Lord above. All right. Let's hear part three. You've said I understand the anger. What do you mean? Well, I understand when the average American says I didn't cause this problem. They look at the elites in their opinion, you know, big banks, big companies, Wall Street, uh, Washington. And I, I understand that. And I understand, too, that there are segments who've been left behind and they're angry. I think that we, if you do a trade deal, uh, that you should have really powerful trade assistance for those who are hurt. So, you know, trade's been proven to be hugely beneficial, but it's beneficial for 99% of people. But that 1% or whoever it is that gets hurt, we should say to them, if you're, gonna, if you're hurt, we're going to have income assistance, relocation, business redevelopment, all the things you said, that's fair. That's fair. We shouldn't hold back the progress from trade and technology, but, you know, it's fair to lift up the people that are hurt by it, as opposed to killing the golden goose. On this note, is there a need for a more inclusive form of capitalism? We want, we should have an economy that works for everybody. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm a little cautious to say what's long-term and short-term, because in a free society, what's long-term to you may be short-term to you and vice versa, and that's there. your choice. So I'm a little worried about people dictating what they mean. So and, 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 more, and, and, a more inclusive capitalism. Yeah, when I, you look at those Harvard numbers, right, it's... It, that shocks a lot yeah. of people. That may be education, not capitalism. But, but, but I do agree. We should make it more inclusive in a way that people feel better. We're, long, we're investing for the long run. We're fixing the infrastructure people need. We're improving lives all the time. We're lifting up, you know, as society gets lifted up, everybody gets lifted up. I think that's better for society. And that's, that's far beyond just shareholders. Yeah, there you go. Just grade A bullshit gobbledygook, if ever. That is, uh. that's some, that is, that is, final, that is refined bullshit if we do a trade deal we should have powerful trade assistance i don't even know what trade assistance is well we you know i mean i i know what the concept is but the term itself is bullshit trade assistance for those who are hurt i like the way he uses a 99 percent to one percent analogy here to mm-hmm. make it sound like the 99 percent are getting the benefit he goes you know trade is beneficial for 99 percent of the people but it's that one percent or whoever it is that gets hurt we should have powerful trade assistance. that's fair you know, that's mm-hmm. right. we shouldn't hold back the progress in training technology. It's fair to lift up the people that are hurt, but there's no need to kill the golden goose. Of course, we all know who the golden goose is. Who is that? Him. Damn right it is. 
Um, I let you know the 99 to 1. And she goes, is there a need for a more inclusive form of capitalism? And he goes, we want, we should have an economy that works for everybody because he really doesn't want it. But he wants to admit that that's what we should have, even though it's not his desire. Mm. Okay. And then he caveats that statement. Okay, he goes, but I'm a little cautious to say what's short term and what's long term. You know, free society, short for me, may not be long for you. That's somebody's choice. So I'm a little cautious about someone dictating what they mean. Okay, first of all, the whole point of dictation is to actually enunciate what it is that you mean. They're not dictating the terms to you, you fucking dildo. How can this guy, you know, he speaks so fast here. There are parts of this interview right. I couldn't even determine. I listened to it like ten yeah, times. Couldn't get what... pause a lot. <laughs> I did, and I still couldn't fucking figure out what he was, what he was saying. Okay, I I literally wrote down, huh? What does that crapola have to do with whether or not we need a more informed, more inclusive form of capitalism? Whatever that means, I don't even know what that means. What do you mean by inclusive form of capitalism? Everybody's included in form, in, in capitalism. It's just the part they play for some people may not be one they want, but mm-hmm. they're all playing a part, baby. Everybody plays a part in this capitalist society. And and she goes, well, she asks him again. So she mm-hmm. has, you know, and he goes, well, I think that may be education, not capitalism. Okay. And I, and my, I wrote down, no, actually, it's both. It's both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What we got was smarter. And we took another look at the modern day version of the free market economy and realized that that form of capitalism, which is not pure capitalism. Right. Okay. We don't like. So what capitalism has become is what they're talking about. What it has resulted in is what they've talked about. And he goes, we need it to be more inclusive in a way that people feel better who are investing for the long run. Okay? Um, investing, in infra- uh, investing in infrastructure. If society gets lifted up, everybody gets lifted up. Another brilliant statement. Do you mean to mm-hmm. tell me that if everybody gets lifted up, everybody gets lifted up? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Because, yeah. okay, I just want to make sure on that. Yeah. I'll draw you a chart if you didn't. He goes, I think it's better for society, and that's beyond just shareholders. Thanks, pal. You mean you're not just concerned about them? That is, that's mighty white of you. That's beyond just shareholders. I think we need, you know, something that's better for society. Really? Determine better for me. Explain your version of better. Because I have a feeling, I'm just throwing this out, I'm spitballing here, that Mm -hmm. my version of better is different than his version of better. Okay, now let's get to part four. You ready? I'm ready. All right, hit me with part four. I do want to talk about the populist anger that has carried uh, some of these campaigns, and we've seen it in uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign, and we've seen it in Donald Trump's campaign. Um, Have you ever seen this much anger from the public at uh, the financial sector and just big corporations in general? And, And how do you think it manifests itself? What has this become? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. I, I read a lot of history, and yes, we've seen it many times before. And, you know, sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's finger pointing, and sometimes it's blaming everybody for the acts of one. I, I, so I, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. I hope that, that the next president focuses on the things that make America better. I mean, we, I've already talked about we, we, we have it so good, but we should acknowledge the flaws. I think Democrats should acknowledge that Republicans are terribly afraid of pork, you know, bad spending, bridges to nowhere, for good reason. I think the Republicans should acknowledge that we desperately need infrastructure, desperately. Airports, bridges, tunnels, roads, hospitals. And then we should roll up our sleeves and get to work and figure out the way to do it well. And so I think if we do all these things right, I think America would be booming. 
So I'm just hoping the next president focuses on those things. Do you have hope that that's going to happen? I mean, this, this, we've needed that for a long time. Yeah, I, I have some hope it'll happen. Maybe the anger and stuff will get people to focus on, okay, now what are the solutions? You, you, you and I, you think I, this I, I can agree. I can agree. Into solutions. Yeah, because I can sit across the table from anyone and say, I agree, income inequality hasn't been fair. And I say, but what would you do about it? How do we fix that? You know, and, and how do we fix it in a way that actually improves society? You know, the, way to, the ways to fix it, you know, if it's pure populism, you can look at Venezuela, Argentina, North Korea, Cuba, Ecuador. Well, that, that's not going to fix it. You know, if, if you talk about policies that work, look at, you know, countries like Singapore, South Korea, certain cities in America, certain states in America that lift up all their people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, the, it's really important the policy be properly designed. It's not enough just to say, you know, to get angry over, over a subject. All right. Populist anger. Is that, is that us? Is that what we are? We're populist anger. Arr! Anger at the financial sector, at big business. How does it manifest itself? I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. I like this sentence. I read a lot of history. Okay, first things first. You don't read a lot of history. You read a lot about mm. history. Let's get that part straight. But, but I digress because I'm anal retentive about language like that. He goes, you know, my thought was, really, you read a lot of history? Might I suggest a freshman year textbook on socioeconomic systems and theories? That way you'll be able to properly describe socialism. Not that this knowledge would stop him from intentionally mischaracterizing it as a manipulative dog whistle when it benefits him. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that would be my first suggestion. He goes, sometimes, he goes, I, but I understand the anger. He goes, sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's finger pointing. Sometimes blaming everybody for the acts of one. I don't know how it manifests itself. Okay? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. He doesn't really give a shit. Right. He doesn't care. You want to know why? Because people like him, the 1%, they're practically indemnified. Sure. They have indemnified themselves from the pitfalls mm-hmm. of a 99%, 1% economy. Right. Which is what we have right now. Okay? He goes, I hope the next president focuses on things that make America better. Huh? Better than what? Better than what? Or does he really mean, I think he means... Or what he meant to say was focuses on things that can make America better. And if so, I have a feeling that the things, okay, that I think would make America better are different than the things you think would make America better. He goes, and this is where you really know how full of fucking shit, manipulative, cocksucking, piece of crap, douchebag, asshole, motherfucker this guy is. He goes, Democrats should acknowledge that Republicans are terribly afraid of pork, bad spending, bridges to nowhere, for good reason. And I wrote down, okay, first of all, Democrats are afraid of pork just as much as Republicans, perhaps even more. Right. And here's the interesting thing. As far as the bridge to nowhere is concerned, Representative Don Young and Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska. I was just going to say Ted Stevens. Yeah, we're the bridge's biggest advocates. Both Republicans. That was in his... uh, Republicans! Right. They They want the... The senator so and so off ramp to the congressman such and such, mm-hmm. you know, casino. Yep. You want you want to talk about pork? How about one hundred and sixty billion dollars in cost overruns for the F thirty five jet project? And by the way, still going, still going strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the number. The last time I looked, is there that, a ticker online? I can. They probably up? got well. You know, like the national debt. There's yeah. one in New York City. The cost forty second and sixth. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a there's a thing and right. it just has this number that keeps ticking along mm-hmm. at a rapid pace. All right? They were both Republicans. So he thinks that 
Democrats should be aware that Republicans are afraid of pork. And what Republicans should acknowledge is that we desperately need infrastructure. Hey, dickhead. Okay, first things first. Republicans do agree that we need infrastructure. Okay, They just can't find a way to vote for it while a Democrat is in the White House. Because that would be seen as giving them giving him a mm. victory. Yeah. They can't let him win even even if the fact of right. the matter is, is that the victory here is one that is gained by the American right. people. When they went, you know, when when uh what's her name said, you know, you didn't build that and they were like, We did build this. No, you didn't. You didn't build the roads. Right. You didn't build the roads that enabled your trucks to get the the supplies in to manufacture your good and the roads that are used to take those manufactured goods to their final point of sale. You just yep. fuck you, Jamie. Fuck, fuck you. What are you trying to say? Fuck you. Okay. And she goes, "Well, we've needed that for a long time." Mm-hmm. You know, duh. Okay. He goes, "Well, maybe the anger and stuff will get people to focus on." Okay, what are the solutions? And she goes, "You really think this anger is going to translate into solutions?" He goes, "Yes, I do." I can sit across from anybody and say that I agree income inequality hasn't been fair. That's like I said, that's mighty white of you. Yeah, inequality. Yeah, we appreciate that. Inequality isn't fair. Yeah. I, I I wish I'd have thought of that. That's brilliance. That's why he made twenty twenty three million mm-hmm. and I made significantly less. <laughs> okay. And uh he goes but none of them are saying how do we fix it? How do we fix it in a way that actually improves society? There are ways, you know? Mm-hmm. How do we fix it? Okay, first things first. Your definition of improving society, I think, mm-hmm. is a di- bit different than my definition of improving society. And second of all, we're all saying how would we fix it, except we don't agree. Okay? People like you think that the way to fix things is to basically have laissez-faire capitalism out the yin-yang mm-hmm. with deregulation and let the market forces – Determine it in a true Adam Smith capitalist way as opposed to a Ricardian land rent theory. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry. My apologies. But basically, that's the problem. And he he says, you know, we could, of course, you know, people have taken a look at pure populism. And he goes on to name five countries that have had a disaster as a a result of pure populism. Venezuela, Argentina, North Korea, Cuba, and Ecuador, both of whom are failed states, failed failed mm. nation state economies okay venezuela is the most puzzling of all because as i've said before they have more known untapped oil reserves than mm. any other country on the planet by far right yeah by far i think they they now have officially it's because it went up mm-hmm. i think it's now twice as much as saudi arabia wrap your head around that fucking wow. chavez man that cancer thing really kind of pissed you know that, that upset the apple cart he could have gone on forever yep okay what he doesn't – and then he says, you know, maybe they should be looking at places like Singapore or South Korea. What he doesn't really he's, – he's one of these extremist guys when he, when, he, when he gives these explanations because that's what he wants you to think. He doesn't want you to think about moderate populism, mm. the injection of populism mm. into a democratic republic that has, an, has capitalism as its economic – you know, model, model and engine. They, he doesn't think that any form of populism is good. So he wants to give you the bad examples of populism. So you, so so you automatically think if we inject so, populism, so we need a dictatorship. That's it, what we need. Yeah, boom. 
This guy basically has, is giving to this entire – and this next section is literally, I swear to God, this is an endorsement of Donald Trump. Hit me with chapter, chapter five here. The number one thing that the next president, whoever it is, can do, should do to boost the U.S. economy, what is it? Get out there and say uh, America is a wonderful country. We are going to collaborate and fix our problems. It will be even better for all of us and for the rest of the world. Give me a fucking break. That's the answer. Ooh. That's the answer. Okay. One of one of the leading by any definition. His his you know, his opinion is expert at worst. <laughs> okay? Yeah. He is considered a leading man and all he can say is Basically, the head of J.P. Morgan is saying that the number one thing the next president can do to boost the economy is to pay lip service to the citizenry. Okay, this answer I wrote Mm. down is a Shonda of the highest order. He basically just endorsed Trump on the down low by saying the next president should engage in the same kind of concocted anger masquerading as hollow cheerleading that Trump is using to connive the ever-growing angry caucus in our nation. We have the angry caucus now. That's all it is. It's lip service. He doesn't give. It's as if he's like saying, y'all aren't smart enough to understand what I really think. So let me say this. Fuck you. Okay. You want to know why America's getting dumb? Because you want us that way. Because you treat us that way. You can't complain about our lack of intelligence when you go out of your way Mm. to misconstrue the information, which leads us to being ignorant. Because we don't have the time to go out and study all of the machinations, the minutia, the yeah. the finagling algorithms, the <laughs> algorithms, the the mathematical concoctions that Wall Street has come up with, because we're too busy digging a ditch. I mean, I right, just want right. the trains to fucking, you know, right. I just want the train to fucking run on time. These people are out there hiring engineers to come up with concoctions, mathematical concoctions. So outrageous that mm. MIT grads scratch their head just so they can fucking fly their Learjets over the train station I'm perpetually waiting in. Right. Right. Motherfucker. Yeah. There you go. I feel better now. Good. Good. Honestly, when the next time you think that these people, the Jamie Diamonds, the, the all of them at all, at all are on your side or have <laughs> your yeah, you're crazy have even one iota of your best interest at fucking heart okay crack open a jack baby crack open a big not even a fifth a fifth ain't enough right you've got to go for that half liter bottle and you throw that ice bucket away baby As a matter of fact glass i don't think so nope you're gonna want to fucking mainline that just chug it just fucking chug it Put it, you know, because that's just the lie. And he perpetuates that lie. I wrote down, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are far smarter than I am that watch this interview and came away with the same conclusion I did. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I can't figure out what he's really trying to get at here other than to try and mislead us into believing that they're not that bad. But by insinuation, not by coming right out and saying it. God forbid mm. he should have the balls to really stand up for what he truly oh, believes yeah, in. No. He can't do that because it would be seen as 
whatever. Sure. No, we're a breed apart. Uh, we, we believe in uh, in two worlds and two systems and double standards and uh, fuck you. Yeah. And I, uh, basically, I'm just here, you know, talking some shit, but I don't really have to because you can't do anything to me anyway. That's – you're indemnified. Yeah. I wrote in the end, I think that, uh, that uh, this is very – what he's talking about is very similar. It's like the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Okay, from the Occupy Wall Street movement, because they both speak to the misconception that power is necessarily in a zero-sum game. They, whoever they are, have it. Mm-hmm. We, whoever we are, do not. Okay, but that is not, in fact, the case. When you give away power, okay, mm-hmm. to compromise so that a bigger deal can be reached, it ends up creating a greater amount of power for slews of people. The power is increased arithmetically and sometimes exponentially. Mm. And so I wrote, it's only when we educate the citizenry as to the process of obtaining power that we can have a republic that is truly subservient to its democracy and not the other way around. Amen. There you go. You want to get back to some groove? Ready to groove. Saddle up, baby. It's the Groove It Down on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
time has come for all of us to objectively analyze the situation and take the correct remedy. We are all of us, black and white, brothers and sisters, pigs. We owe the third world off ourselves. If you are not a black, homosexual, working class woman, you're an oppressor, pig. You deserve to die. Every time you shit or piss, you dump your rheic acid on Mother Earth, and then you wipe your ass with the corpse of a tree. You're not worthy of the cow that died to make your stinking belt, your running dog jackal. Now, objective analysis should show you that it won't be easy to off yourself because the bourgeoisie control the ownership of nylon rope and steel razor blades and all the means of self-extermination. The Weather Bureau recommends that you beat yourself to death in a four-foot-deep hole full of organic compost. Or if you want to do something really meaningful, we've got TNT suppositories for everybody. Power to the correct people!
I like that one. Bernie Marsden, yeah. Line and Track. That's uh, He's a guitar player from uh, Whitesnake. And he's done some solo stuff. That's from his latest solo album. Uh, came out a couple. Of, uh, came out in let me see, 2014. It's called Shine. So that's some uh, really good stuff. That song's actually um, an original. That that song goes way way back. Uh, you know, the line and track. Put your lining mm-hmm. on the track. Uh, it's a it's a, uh, it's a Lead Belly song. It was originally written and recorded by Lead Belly, and it's been done by tons and tons of people. That's a particularly good version. Before that, Carlene and the Groovers. Yeah, boy. We like that. Can we rap? Now, this band only released two singles. They both came out in 1970. This is the second one. They're from South Carolina. And basically, um, it's a brother and sister. Uh, Clary Butler um, was the trumpeter for Wilson Pickett. And it was his sister, Carlene Butler, who was a drummer. And she put the band together, Carlene and the Groovers, with her brother, uh, Clary Butler, and so they came out with those two forty-five. So that was pretty neat, Arino. Um, the Hippie Nuts before that, very good band, right there. It's Tom mm-hmm. Semioli's band. I'll tell you, that is you know Humble Pie's uh, Thirty Days in the Hole," you know, very famous song. I'll tell right. you when Katina Bryant, who is the lead singer of the Hippie Nuts, when she sings a song because I've played um, their version. They do a cover of Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. When she sings a song, she makes it her own. That is the best version of 30 Days in the Hole that I've heard since the Humble Pie version. Okay? Excellent. It's just, she just gets it right. So, Katina, good job, babe. You know, the, the, uh, the, orig- you know, the original guitar player in that band was uh, Peter Frampton. But okay. he's not on that song. He had left the band and was replaced by a guy named Clem Clemson, um, who had been uh, the original guitar player for a band called Coliseum 2 that I've played, one of my favorite bands. All and right. he was replaced in Coliseum 2 by one of my favorite guitar players, Gary Moore. So it goes round and round here with the Groove Don. Okay, I do the homework so you don't have to. Excellent. Okay, some of this I already knew. The, the uh, stuff about the Groovers I didn't really know. But uh, but there you go. So now you know where that comes from. A little bit more Lemmings before that, you running dog jackal. <laughs> All right. You are running dog jackal. Power <laughs> to the correct people. That's I like that. Uh, Power uh, to the correct people. That would be us. Our skater track of the week, Bunny, just begun. Very nice. A little bit of a skater track there. I think it was a bit more than 100. That was at about 135 to 140 mm-hmm. begin. Maybe a bit quick. But, you know, cardio. Cardio. Yeah, absolutely. And kicking off the set, another band I'm going to be seeing uh, Thursday night with the Headless Horseman, The Flesh Tones. You give me nothing to go on. That is from uh, one of their, I believe that is their actually their latest release. I don't know if they've had one after it. Uh, Brooklyn Sound Solution, which came out in 2011. 2011, is it? Yes, 2011. All right. So that's always some good stuff. Hey, we've chatted enough, so it's always time to do something like this. Take care of the people that take care of me. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida. They are the place to take your car. You know what I'm talking about. 954-247-9362. Dave Carey, the entire SAE certified. <laughs> you practice? I've been practicing. I practiced the mistake for, for, for a year, and I finally got it right. And I figured it was time to practice the correct, the correct thing, see if I could get that right. So I'm almost there. I'm almost able to do it without having to think about it. But I still have to, like, <laughs> think about it and, you know, and go through. But absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars. I absolutely guarantee it. You can go to the SoFloRadio.com website. Click on the box that says Tony C's Groovathon. And you'll see a list of every show I've ever done. And above each show, you will see every song that was played on that show. Every song, every show, of course, is available. 
to be downloaded and listened to for free. You cannot put a price on Groove, at least not yet. <laughs> okay? And if you mention at the very top of the list, you're going to see a link for Precision Auto Works. Okay? The phone number is there. Call Dave up. No matter what your problem is with your car, he's going to take care of it. He really is the man. I trust him all the way. Like I said, 954-247-9362. Precision Auto Works is the place where people who love their cars take their cars. You know what that means. Yeah. yeah. Time for the drive groove. We're going to get you redlining, baby. We kick it off with Carmine Apathy's Guitar Zoos featuring Steve Morse on the drive groove on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
This is called the Guitar Man, now, boys. One, two, now here we go. I hitchhiked all the way down the middle Got a room in the YMCA For the next three weeks I went a hunting them nightclubs Looking for a place to play Well, I thought my picking would set them on fire But nobody wanted to hire a little guitar man This is Rod Morgenstein from the Dixie Dregs and Winger, and you're listening to Tony C's Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
Holy mackerel. If you don't recognize that voice and that guitar, then there's something wrong with you. That is actually brand new material from the Supersonic Blues Machine. That's running whiskey. And yeah, that is Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top on doing the vocals and that, that unmistakable sound of that guitar. He used to use a Mexican peso as a guitar pick. I heard this, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know, among the claim to fame things, here's the interesting tie-in, is that between that and the Headless Horseman, whom I played earlier, whom I'm seeing tomorrow night. Um, that song, by the way, was written by uh, the bass player who put the band together, a guy named Fabrizio Grossi, who is a big a studio guy. And it was, he, it was him, Billy Gibbons, and Tal Wickenfeld, who is a chick who is a bass prodigy. Um, she plays for Jeff Beck. She's Jeff okay. Beck's regular bass player, which is all you really need to know. If right. you're Jeff Beck's regular bass player, you're good at what you do. That's the end of right. that discussion. So those three wrote that particular uh, song, Run in Whiskey. And that's from the uh, – that album just came out uh, this uh, this year. It's called West of Flushing, South of France. All right. Okie dokie. Uh, that's way west, as I'm thinking, because mm-hmm. you've got to go pretty much all the way around the planet to get to the south. Of, but whatever. And um, Billy Gibbons' original band – before the before uh, ZZ Top was a band called the Moving Sidewalks, and they were out of Texas. They had uh, they were a garage band. They had one one song that kind of made it big. It was called the Ninety Ninth Floor. Mm-hmm. And um, when Billy Gibbons wanted to get his original band, the Moving Sidewalks, back together, well, this was in uh, I guess two thousand. It may have been two thousand and thirteen. I think because mm. I was still in Hawaii. And so I couldn't make this particular show, unfortunately, because what he did is he got in touch with my friend's band, the Headless Horseman, mm-hmm. and said they weren't playing together at the time. And he said, hey, would you guys get back together and open for us at BB King's? Because we want to play, you know, I'm sure Alon was, I'm sure my friend Alon was like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there were some great people there. They got to meet Hilton Valentine from The Animals was at the show and stuff. So that's the tie, and that's how everything goes full circle. Before that, Platypus, up oh, another band I'm going to be seeing, except it's not Platypus that I'm seeing. I'm seeing their new incarnation of it. The song that I played was Platypus. It's called 25. It's from their album Ice Cycles, which came out in 2000. Now, the, the band Platypus only had two CDs, two albums okay. came out. And Ice Cycles was the second one. The first one was called, I believe, Platypus. Um the keyboard player left the band, and so the three other members who are Ty Tabor on guitar, John Myung from Dream Theater, Ty Tabor's from King's X, John Myung from Dream Theater, and mm. Rob Morgenstein from The Dregs and uh, Joey Jam and, you know, 50 Winger, right. all these other bands. They're the three members that are now in the band. They have a brand new CD that just came out on Mascot called Profit. And uh, I told you about this before. It's it spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T, crossed out. Right. And then P-R-O-F-I-T, written in. And Ty Tabor has written an entire thing on the inside about, you know, there's a story in there and stuff. It's a great album. Really good straight-up rock and roll. And I'm going to be seeing them. I'm seeing the Headless Horseman on, and Flesh Tones on Thursday. And on Friday, I'm seeing the Jelly Jam. So I've got music lined up. Action-packed. I am action-fucking-packed when I go to New York. Yo, Great show. Amen. You know, I got my Jamie Dimon venting out of the way. I am so... Feel better now. I do. I feel... For me, it was primal scream therapy. Oh, we used to call it an oinkathon. We did a big oinkathon. You know, when I was in college, you'd do that. It was always like the night before... um, or No, it was meant to be the, the, the second night 
of studying for finals. They would they would cut classes. There would mm-hmm. be no classes for like a week. And it was all studying just for finals. And so on the second night, everybody would literally lean out of, lean out of their window at midnight and scream as loud as they could. And we would all play music. You know, I would, I would of course, go right to fear. Right. You know, I don't care about you. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, that, that's the song. That's my go-to song for Primal that's Scream Onkathon at the UVM Red, you know, on the Redstone campus there. I was in Wing Dorm. Me and Trey Anastasio from, uh, from Fish. Mm-hmm. Both live in the same dorm. I have funny stories about him. I'll never play him on the show because, you know, yeah. I treat fish like I treat the Grateful Dead. I like their music when it's done by somebody else. <laughs> okay? When it's a- Although I'll give it. fish credit for one thing. They, they had a series of shows. They used to do a show every New Year's Eve, and they would do an entire album. Okay? All right. Um, and they did one year they did Quadrophenia, okay. which I love. And I know people that were at that show, and they said it was really – they were they were on. They were faithful to it. They rocked out. They gave the who their justice. So credit where credit is due. On the other hand, I like my fish the way I like my Grateful Dead, done by somebody else. I want it filleted. And then I want it roasted. Bros- I want it broasted. <laughs> Braised and roasted. Broasted. So I'm yep. going to get out of here. I'm going to New York on Wednesday. Going to do some rock and roll. I'm going to leave you to peace and quiet for a little while. You be done with me. I'm going to come back in two weeks. I've already started to put some show stuff Excellent. together. Do yeah. you know that our next show, our next show, is yes. show number 50. No way. Way. Wow. Way. All right. That will be the 50th Groovathon. I can't really think of why I should make it more special than every Groovathon, which is special. It's always special. Always special. But I'm going to get you out of here. You know, I had this other song picked out, and I went, no. No, 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 no. I'm going to New York, so I'm getting out of here on quintessential New York music. As always, for my man and the master lost George is over here, it is aloha and peace. See you soon, Mom. Neighborhoods full of reps, cities of projects where the young cadets get stripes from the vets and comrades. The quest to be the next to finesse, collect debt and select best for death threats. Object cheddar, better your total net with trends and seven ways to express the outfits. Friends get wet trying to make ends connect. Avenues to check, boulevards to sweat. The smell of gun smoke's more common than cigarettes. We got clicks for wreck, we like pits for pets. We got giants and jets and Knicks, Yanks and mess. We like much respect, sex extra wet, and high tech dialect you ain't catch yet. Blocks and blocks.
Lots of big shots with big knots and big props. Yo, this is where the bullshit stop. Where hurts get got. If you snitch, you get shot. We get down and leave the town in a state of shock. We got dangerous hangout spots and slick cops. Place called Rackers Island where kids get locked. A lot of gear to rock. Blocks of clothes shops. Styles of chop knots. This is the place to watch. The blast the box. The radio station is hot. Ease your mind staring at skylines from rooftops. Flip scripts with chips and new whips off the lot. Quick to call a shot. Politic with thick plots and the garden of Enoch is deceiving. We got to make sure the core of the Big Apple don't rot. We're seeing, believing, we be achieving a lot with this jocks created hip hop. Check it out.